The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to the twelve, Fear no one. Nothing is concealed that will not be revealed, nor secret that will not be known. What I say to you in the darkness, speak in the light. What you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in Gehenna. Are not two sparrows sold for a small coin? Yet not one of them falls to the ground without your father's knowledge. Even all the hairs of your head are counted. So do not be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Everyone who acknowledges me before others, I will acknowledge before my heavenly Father. But whoever denies me before others, I will deny before my heavenly Father. The Gospel of the Lord. The readings today give us a list of things we often fear, some of greater importance, some less. And they kind of go in the proper order. It begins with Jeremiah, who recognizes that he is hated by so many who are around him. Jeremiah was the great prophet who came and was sent by God to prophesy that the exile was going to come soon. That pretty soon they would be conquered by a foreign nation, they would be defeated in war, and they would be scattered and sent off to foreign lands where they wouldn't see each other, they would probably die in exile. Isn't that great news? Wouldn't you be excited if somebody said the same of us, right? And so rightly so, you can understand the people's reaction. They fight against Jeremiah. They rebuke him, they whisper about him. Even his friends, he says, are finding ways to, to try to listen to every little word so that they can find something to catch him, so that they can persecute him, so they can attack him. And so they continue to set traps for him. And he's recognizing this, that, that, that even my friends, people who, who, who used to be friends with me, are here and they're speaking negative about me, they're complaining about me, and they're trying to find ways to get rid of me. But then he rightly recognizes, but the Lord is with me. The Lord is a mighty champion, and it brings him peace. He knows that the the rest of the world around him doesn't really matter as much as the fact that he's doing the will of God. The Lord is with him. St. Paul brings us to a next level where we recognize that sometimes it's not the world who wars against us, but it's ourselves. We have to wrestle against ourselves and our own sinfulness of how sin comes to be able to bring about the wages of death. And so we wrestle with sin. And sometimes we fear our sin because we, we, we fear the battle that it necessarily takes to be able to fight against it. But there too, we recognize that if sin has come into the world, how much greater has the grace of God outpoured upon us? Again, nothing to fear. Christ, however, brings us to the most important piece. He begins this section speaking to the disciples, and he says, Fear no one. Fear no one. 
No one who can destroy the body should be concerned to you. But rather be afraid of the one, be mindful of the one who can kill body and soul. That's the one to fear. What Jesus is reminding us is that if we have all the persecutions in the world, if they rebuke us and fight against us and complain about us and they set traps for us and even seek to kill us, and even if they accomplish it, if they do all of these things, it means absolutely nothing because it cannot harm the soul. They cannot kill the soul. So even if we have all the sufferings in this world, we can still have heaven. And that's the most important piece. But Jesus also reminds us on the opposite end, if we have all the pleasures of the world, if we're spoken well of by everybody, if everyone says good things of us, if we have all wealth, if we have all honor, if we have all power, if we have all notoriety, but we don't have the Lord, we've lost everything. If we acknowledge the Lord before others, he will acknowledge us. But if we deny him, whether by our words or by our actions, he will deny us. And so he bids us not to do so. He invites us to recognize that he alone has power. That though we should fear the evil one, because he seeks to steal our souls away from God, ultimately we need not even really fear him. Because we have Christ with us. God is with me. The church has known this since the first days. This isn't something new that we just recently discovered in the scriptures. It's something that even the scriptures specifically speak about in a variety of places. St. Paul will remind us that our, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. How easy it is for us to settle fights against flesh and the blood. To complain about this person or that person, this group or that group. To be able to allow ourselves to be polarized against other people. Because of some meaningless attribute. When our fight isn't against them at all. Even the most hated of our enemies in this life is still called to be a Christian. Called to be a brother or sister that reigns with us in heaven. Period. Our, flesh is not, our fight is not against flesh and blood. It's against principalities and powers. It's against the evil one. And his demons. And so we allow the Lord to come and to remind us of that, to call us to the battle and to fight for us. And that's the important piece, is that the Lord fights for us. If I try to fight demons myself, I will lose 100% of the time. Guaranteed. Because I'm not God. But to the extent that I submit myself to the Lord and allow him to fight for me, I will be victorious 100% of the time. Because I let God be God. And so he invites us to let us, to, rather to let him fight for us. To come and to strengthen us. And the place that he fights for us most clearly and most powerfully is right here at Mass. We know that the Lord is with us. He's with us always. Jeremiah didn't have to be sitting in the temple in the midst of a, a liturgical celebration to say the Lord is with me. In fact, every one of us, by virtue of our baptism, we have the Lord with us always. The Holy Spirit dwells in our hearts. But there's a special recognition that here at Mass, the Lord is with us in a unique way. He comes to be with us in the written word, in the scriptures, by which we hear the voice of God who speaks to us. But even beyond that, it's not just the voice of God that speaks to us. He comes to be with us 
present in the Eucharist. Although oftentimes we hear about the Eucharist, we hear about Masses in, in, in terms of a meal. It's kind of a, uh, a popular contemporary uh, version of the Mass. We come for uh, a family meal, a family banquet, a sacred banquet even. And we talk about the, the table. We, we gather around the table. Sometimes people remark, Father, you do the dishes, the dishes very well up there. But this recognition that the church tries to remind us is that while the Mass certainly has a meal aspect to it, we do come and we eat and we drink, the Mass is not primarily a meal. It is a sacrifice. It is the sacrifice of Christ. It's he who, in a mysterious way, 2,000 years ago, climbed upon the altar of the cross and made himself priest and victim. The one who offers and the one who is offered. The priest and the sacrifice. And in doing so, he saved us. He crushed the head of the devil. Death thought it was victorious in allowing God to die. And yet, it was allowing God to die that actually gave death the defeat. Mystery of mysteries. But it's that mystery of the Lord's gift of himself on the cross, sacrifice of himself, that we make present here once more. Not again in a nice remembrance, not in a nice kind of uh, reflecting about it type of way, but in reality. The Lord comes here in this moment as a gift and offering of himself. We tap into something that's eternal. And what a gift. Because it means that the Lord who comes to fight for us, who already conquered the devil 2,000 years ago on the cross, comes and he desires to do the same thing right now for us. Think about the things that have happened through the course of this week. Maybe there's someone who also has been whispering about you, just like they did with Jeremiah. A friend who has now become an enemy. Someone who may be setting a trap for you, in some way small or large. Think about the ways you wrestle with sin this week. Oftentimes we've got our pet sins that we like to lean back upon. And we continue to wrestle with it. And it seems like it'll never go away. We'll never get past that one thing. I think about even the fact that the devil is prowling around trying to attack us. Trying to steal us away from God. Those moments where we felt distant from God or felt that God was distant from us maybe. To think about all of those things and to come here and to unite ourselves with Jesus Christ here on the altar. And to know that he fights those battles for us. We simply have to stand here and let him. We have to be willing to submit to Christ. To let him take all of those things in his hand and take care of it as he wills. And to know that it will be done beautifully and perfectly. That I don't have to try to fix everything myself. I just have to let him do it. Because he's God. Liturgy also reminds us of that. St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians in the 6th chapter. He reminds us in, 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 in speaking about the liturgical life. He speaks of it in military terms. Again, what we come to offer here is a sacrifice, the sacrifice of Christ. But we enter into a battle, as we said, a battle with the evil one, where the devil is fighting to get away, and the Lord comes to crush him. The prayers of the Mass uh, that are prayed privately uh, essentially help us to recognize that. If you remember back in Advent, whenever I did the vesting prayers, 
and I showed you each of the vestments individually and put them on and talked about the prayers that were with them. The first piece you may recall is the amice, a little piece that goes around the neck and is put on the head first. It's referred to as the helmet of salvation. And the prayer that accompanies it is a prayer to say, protect me from the wiles of the evil one who comes to attack us. Lord, protect us from the devil. Be our strength. Be our salvation. St. Paul continued with that recognition in Ephesians, and he invites us to gird our loins with truth, to put on the breastplate of righteousness, to lace up our boots, which are peace, to take up the shield, which is the faith, and to put on the helmet and our sword, which is the word of God himself. And being vested with all of these things, we pray and we persevere. We come here. And we pray. And we continue to come here week after week in perseverance, trusting that the Lord will be victorious. Trusting that the Lord has us for the battle. As I was praying with these scriptures and and thinking about all these pieces and parts, another image came to me, which I hadn't necessarily considered in this light, um, in this particular reference. But it's the way in which a, a bishop comes into Holy Mass. Not in the, in the contemporary form, but in the traditional Latin Mass, the Mass prior to, uh, to the 1960s. The bishop, when he would come to celebrate a high Mass, when he was coming to do with, a, with, with all the bells and whistles, he didn't come in vested in his vestments already. He came in in his black, his black cassock, like the, the black robe that I wear. He came in with that and a simple surplice, the server's, the server's gown. So he was processing in. It looked like he was just coming to serve Mass. And he would come to the altar as a servant. It was appropriate. We put our hands like this because we're serving God. And so he would walk to the altar as a servant. And then he would go forward. He would kneel. He would pray the prayers, the vesting prayers, which are prayed before Mass, as, the, as a priest typically will put on his vestments. He would pray those on the spot in the sanctuary. And then he would stand up. And the interesting thing about it with the bishop is that he didn't vest himself. Someone else vested him. He simply stood there and let it take place. So he would stand there and two priests or two deacons would walk up and they would place the amice on his head and wrap it around his shoulders and pass the ties to each other. And they would tie it on him. And then he would just kind of tuck it in around his neck. And then he would stand there with his arms out and they would put the alb on and they would pull it over him and make sure it fits in all the right places. They would tie the tie if there was a tie in the front. Then they would put the cincture around his waist and put the, put the stole on him and all of these things. And all the time he just stood there like this, allowing it to be done. And it wasn't because he was so, some, some great person who was too good to put things on himself. It was a recognition that he comes as a humble servant and he lets himself be vested by Christ. Christ, Lord, gird me in these things. Gird my loins. Give me the breastplate. Give me the helmet and the sword. Do these things for me because I can't do them myself. It's a sign of humility and submission. A recognition that God is God. And although the bishop is a wonderful successor to the apostles and a vicar of Christ for us, he too is a humble servant. And he too has to rely upon God. And what a gift that we don't have to rely upon ourselves. And I don't have to rely upon me for my salvation. And you don't have to rely upon you either. We simply need to come here. Come to the Mass. Come to the place where the Lord has the victory 
week after week, day after day. To unite the sorrows of our heart to the sufferings we endure, the sins with which we wrestle, and the evil one who comes to fight against us. To come and unite them to Christ. To give ourselves to him. To know that he comes to be able to grant us peace. To fill us with his strength. Because the Lord is with us.